0: Our neighbors he called us to love our neighbors All right, that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, awesome job. great job by the kids and uh, how about those rich kids volunteers too? It's pretty awesome huh They give them a hand. <laughs> Great job, y'all! Well, hey, um, we're starting a brand new series today called "How to Neighbor," and we're really excited about this. I think this is going to be a really important series for us. Uh, just over the next couple of weeks, as we really just talk about uh, for the next several weeks, uh, what it means to to be a neighbor, as what the Bible prescribes as being a neighbor. Meaning, how do we love those around us? How do we love? Uh, each other. And I think this is critically important for us as a church. Uh, I think it's critically important for us really even as a culture and as a a community and country right now to really get our heads around this and really understand this uh, just because of of where we're at right now uh, in our country. And so uh, we're going to be talking about this for the next couple of weeks. And so I hope you'll be here with us uh, for the next several weeks as we talk about how to be a neighbor. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Mark chapter 12. Uh, we'll be in Mark 12 today, uh, just as a foundational scripture to just kind of start from. Uh, we'll jump around a little bit as well as we go through this, but it'll be on the screen back here behind me. Uh, if you have a Bible, just follow along there or open up your Version Bible app and follow along with us there. So uh, Jesus has been... Um he's, he's really been engaged in this conversation and, and all of chapter 12 and even part of chapter 11 here. He's been engaged in these different conversations with people. And as happens a lot in the Bible, especially when you see this in the Scripture, a lot of times what you see happen is, is you see people, ma- mainly these religious leaders or leaders of the law, these lawyer type people, are trying to catch Jesus um, with questions that are... Uh, sort of catch-22s for him, like depending on how he answers it, if he answers it wrong or if he says something that's wrong or he does something contrary to the law or contrary to what Uh, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time were teaching, then they had pretty good ground to arrest him and maybe even, as they would later, even have him put to death. And so that's kind of what's happening here as we see this conversation that Jesus has with the guys. There's a whole bunch of people standing around. There's a lot of people listening, uh, as would often be the case when Jesus is engaged in these things. And so we're going to pick this up in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, and then we'll just unpack this. Uh, This is probably a very familiar scripture to some of you, and so Um, let's just read it. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, says this, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all. And so this guy asked Jesus a question. He he asked him, he says, okay, so out of all of the commandments, and listen, there were a lot of commandments. In fact, there were a lot of laws, over 600 laws on the books at the time. And so he looks at him and he says, so out of everything that you know, out of all of these laws, out of all of these commandments, which one of these hundreds of these, which one is the most important. So it'd be like me coming up to you and asking you, okay, out of all the laws in our country, out of all the the things that you know that we're supposed to do, which one is the most important, right? There's really, it'd be tough to answer that question, wouldn't it? Well, same for Jesus, but Jesus, as he often does, has a great answer. He says this, verse 29, Jesus answered, the most important is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Ah, but he adds something here at the end. Verse 31, he says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the guy though, if you think about this, the guy asked Jesus a question of which one commandment is the most important. Jesus gives him two answers. He says, you have to love the Lord your God with all of your soul, all of your mind, with all of your strength. He says, that's the first. That's the most important. We've got to start there. He says, and the second is like it. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what Jesus is actually doing is actually quoting something that they would have heard before. This is nothing new to them. In fact, in Deuteronomy, uh, you can read that. It's in the Old Testament. And in Leviticus, you see both of these answers where it talks about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's in Leviticus 19. And so y- this is nothing that they had never heard before. But Jesus basically took 600 and something laws and commands and boiled them down into two very Simply stated commands, very difficult to live out in some cases, as we're going to find uh, here as we unpack this. And so if you think about this, why didn't Jesus stop with just the one? Like he could have just said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? He could have just stopped at the one, but he didn't. He went on and gave the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. And here's why Jesus would have said that. This is very important. First John, you don't have to turn there. Let me just read it to you. First John 4, chapter 20, verse, uh, or First John chapter 4, verse 20 says this, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. And for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You see, Jesus, what Jesus was trying to point out by taking these Two commandments and basically boiling them down into the same thing, the same commandment. What Jesus was doing is he was doing exactly what John was writing here. He was saying, here's the deal. You cannot love God. You cannot say that you love God and hate the people around you. It is spiritually impossible to do that. So, you either love God and love those around you, or maybe you don't really love God the way that you say that you love God. That's what Jesus was really saying. You see, because the overflow of loving God will always be poured out upon the people around us. If we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, as Jesus said was the first and most important commandment, if, that, if we do that, then the overflow of that, the outcome of that, will be the way that we love people around us, will be the way that we love our neighbors, those that are with us in our everyday life. Lies And so the litmus test is simply this. The love that we have for God will be demonstrated by the love that we have for others. How we love others reveals how we love God. Now think about this for a second. It's possible for us to love our neighbor, or it's possible for us to love others. It's possible for us to love those people around us, but not love God. But again, I will say this again, and if you don't believe me, well, you're wrong. Okay, but... Uh, <laughs> It's impossible, it's impossible for us to say that we love God, but not love others. It's impossible. It's spiritually impossible, because this is what Jesus said. He said, said, what's the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. These two, they work hand in hand. So this is what this series is all about, how we can practically love those around us. And we're going we're gonna to get into the question of, of who our neighbor is and, and what that looks like. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. And so uh, there's a, uh, I kind of have to stop and take a step back here for just a second. There's a, a temptation here, if we're not careful, that we look at this verse because maybe if you've been in church for a long time, you've been, been around church or um, you know, maybe you've read this before and you've kind of heard this before and you're kind of like, yeah, 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 I got it. It's kind of JV. I get it. I'm supposed to love the Lord. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I, I know. I've heard this before. Like, it's, it's possible for us to, to look at that and then not give it the proper weight that it's supposed to have. If that's where you're at, let me ask you this question. I have to ask myself this question because as we're just studying for this and looking at this, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, I've kind of heard that before preached on that before, kind of done this before, but I had to ask myself this question, and I ask you this question the same way. Even if you know this, even if you've heard this before, are you doing it? Am I doing it? You see, information without application never leads to transformation. Never. Never. Information without application never leads to transformation. And so my hope for us over the next several weeks is that that we would learn how to demonstrate this to those around us, to the people in your school, the people in your workplace, to the people in your neighborhood, to the people right here in this church, to the people that you just come across in the community, that we would actually learn how to demonstrate this and not just talk a good game, but we would actually play a good game. Amen? It'd be good for us all, I think, to, to kind of get around that. And so uh, I honestly think, again, that this is one of the most critical things that we need right now in our culture. And so I, I want to ask us three questions, three really, uh, just going to be real with you, three really tough questions uh, for us to, to get our heads around right now. And uh, we'll just unpack this as we go. But the question number one that we have to ask ourselves is this. Three questions we need to answer. Number one, is the way that we love those around us a proper picture of who Jesus is? Is the way that we love those around us a proper picture of who Jesus is? I had a conversation with somebody just this past week, and they made this statement to me, and it was very, uh, it was a very sobering statement. They made this statement, and they said this. They said, you know, sometimes I have a hard time believing that uh, God is who He says He is because I s- the way that I see people loving other people and what they meant by that it was more of it was a lack thereof and and they were talking about the way that christians don't love other people now you may be getting you may you may be getting it right you may be knocking it out of the park you may be just like pro at this, right? And so we need to learn, learn from you. And I'll just be honest with you, I need to learn from you because I don't get this right all the time. But you probably know this, you probably experienced this. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of this before. Maybe you've been on the giving end of this before, where the way that you are loving someone or the way that you are not being loved by other Christians, like it has caused this, this chasm to sort of widen between what you believe about who God is and, and what God is all about. It can be tough. Maybe, maybe you look in our culture. Maybe you look in um, just the people around you, and people that are, you know, uh, you know, banging their chest, you know, uh, that chest, and saying, "Hey, I'm I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I go to church." But the way that they love people is non-existent. It's hard to see. It's hard to feel. And so. We have to ask ourselves the question, is the way that we love those around us a proper picture of who Jesus is? I love what Jesus said here in John thirteen thirty five. He said this. He said, by this, all people, and that word all is really important. He said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Or in other words, all will know that by this, that, all, that you are followers of me. If you have love for one. You see, too often we are known more by what we are against than what we are actually for. And we're often louder about what we're standing up against than what we're actually for. And Jesus said, no, 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 you, you got to get this, you gotta, you got to understand this. Like, people will know that you're my followers, people will know that you're my, my disciples, people will know this by the way that you love them. He didn't say that people will know that you are my followers by how you're going to vote in November. He didn't say that people are going to know that you're my followers by the music that you listen to or the music that you don't listen to. He he didn't say that people are going to know that you're my followers by the bumper sticker on the back of your car or the t-shirts that you wear, the size of your Bible, how much you attend church. He didn't say any of that. He said, People will know that you are my followers by the way that you demonstrate your love toward them. That's it. That's it. You can scream it, you can say it all day long. But if you're not loving others, if we're not demonstrating that to others, then it means nothing. It means nothing. how we walk outside of those doors and love and care for the people in our life. So ask yourself this question, how would, how would the people in your school or the people in your neighborhood or the people in your workplace, maybe, maybe the place where you go to the, to the gym or maybe it's in your kids' school, how, how would they answer that question about you or me? How would they answer that question about us? Would they be able to answer that question and say, I know that they are followers of Jesus because I see the way that they love me. I know that they're followers of Jesus because I see the way that they love other people. I see the way that they, they care for other people. That's what tells me that they're followers of Jesus. Not because he has a, the title of pastor or not because whatever, Right? but because of the way that we love other people. How would people around us answer that question? It's, I think it's a sobering thought to really think about. I think as a whole, we've kind of gotten off base here. And so, um, man, I just want us to get our heads around this. And think about this. If we think about how Jesus loved others, how He demonstrated it Himself. We know that if we read the Scriptures, if we read about the life of Jesus, we saw Jesus demonstrate this. There's no question. You would, you would be hard-pressed to be able to, to read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and then read the accounts of them later on in, in the New Testament. You'd be hard-pressed to be able to, to read about Jesus and then go, nah, I'm not so sure if that guy really loved people. Like I, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe not. Like, you'd be hard-pressed to try to, you know, try to figure that out. But he did, and the way that he demonstrated it, the way that he showed it, in, in fact, Jesus went as far as giving up his own life, sacrificing it so that he could show his love for us to save us. Paul, the Apostle Paul, puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. That word or that phrase, walk in love, it means do it. That's what it means. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, the way that Jesus loved those around him could best be described in one word, I think. And it's a word that we don't like. Sacrifice. We don't like that word. The word's dirty. <laughs> right? If we start stepping on toes and we start talking about sacrifice. Right? Because what Paul was saying is he says, walk and be imitators of God. And so by, by being imitators of God, then what we are called to do, the way that we love others, could best be described as sacrifice. Sometimes to love others, we have to sacrifice time. Sometimes to love others, we have to sacrifice money. Sometimes to love others, we have to sacrifice possessions and material things. Sometimes, to, and this is the one that I think is, is the most, like the one that gets us the most, to love others sometimes, we have to sacrifice convenience. And that's the one that really bothers us. Because, I'm, listen, it is inconvenient to love people around you the way that Jesus calls us to love people around us. But if we're going to do it the way that He is calling us to do it, it's going to take sacrifice. Jesus gave us the greatest sacrifice. His death on the cross was about Sacrifice. It was about sacrifice. So you know what I love? Uh, there's so much that I love. I could talk all day about the death of Christ on the cross and His resurrection. I mean, it's, it's everything to us. Without it, we're nothing. But, but at, at the end of the day, we, here's the thing, one of the things that I love the most. Hebrews 12 two says that it was the joy that was set before Him that Christ endured the cross. You know what that means? That means that His sacrifice, Him giving Himself up on the cross to die for us, to give us everlasting life, to save us, to redeem us, it was done out of joy. Sacrificial joy. That's huge. So for us to love others, it's going to take that same sacrificial joy. It's going to take us to do the same the way that Christ called us. And so I ask again, is the way that we love those around us a proper picture of who Jesus is? Are we, are we reflecting Him to those around us? Second question. We've only got three of these. I'll run through this next but number two, are we loving others with grace and truth or with just truth? Are we loving others with grace and truth or with just truth or with just grace? You see, I think for the first time, at least, at least in my lifetime, that I can really remember and, and really just feel the weight of, for the first time in my lifetime, Christians are, are not just being referred to as, as narrow-minded even though we are, and, and you know what? It's, it's okay, actually. Um, I'll, I'm narrow-minded. I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him. That's what I believe, and that's narrow-minded. If you want to call me narrow-minded, I'm narrow-minded. But Christians are being referred to as narrow-minded. It's not uh, We're being referred to as, as judgmental. And you know what? To a degree... Um, think we are, but it's because we believe differently, not because we're judging differently. We just believe differently. And we're not just being referred to as weird. And come on, let's be honest. A little bit, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We are being referred to though we're not just being referred to those things, but we are most certainly being referred to as hateful and angry, simply because we believe differently than the majority of the world. If you're, if you're a Christian, most of us have probably been painted with a very wide brush that says, you know what, because you believe differently than most of the rest of the world, then you're just hateful and angry and you hate people, which I don't think is true at all, at least I hope not the truth is is that we just believe differently and but here here's the problem here here's here's why i think that that we're being painted with that brush is that because there's been way too much again of people saying here's what we're against we're against you And we're against you, and we're against you, and we're against you because you believe this, and we're against you because you believe this, and we're against you because we believe this, because this is what the Bible says. Truth, 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 truth. Where's the grace? And let me ask you this. Where did Jesus ever do that without first saturating the truth in grace? See, John chapter 1 Says that Jesus is full of grace and truth, which means that he is 100% grace and he is 100% truth. He is not one or the other, he is always both. Yeah, I love the story of, of when Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector. Matthew is, he's in the act of collecting taxes. He's a sinner. He's, I mean, he's, he's like, he's basically robbing people. That's what tax collectors did. He's robbing people, and Jesus comes up to him and says, follow me, but he doesn't just stop there where he says, follow me. What he does is he goes to to Matthew, and he says, follow me. Oh, and now, let's go to your house and have a party. And I want you to invite all of your friends, like all of your tax collecting buddies, all the prostitutes, all of the sinners, all of the weird people, like, you know, everybody that, you know, is, you know, just let's get them all at your house. And it says that Jesus sits and he reclines at the table with all of these people and he eats with them. He hangs out with them. And then all of the people are, you know, outside standing, which I kind of think is weird anyway, but all of these like religious people are like standing outside of the window, looking in at Jesus and going, why is he eating with these tax collectors and sinners? You see, what you don't hear at the dinner table around the conversation around that table is you don't hear Jesus going, Hey, you know what? You're bad, and you're bad, and you're bad. Knock it off. Like, it's not, Jesus, that's not what he's doing, Right? You know, there, there's a, there's another, uh, uh, another story where, uh, this woman who is caught in adultery is brought before Jesus and, and they've got her and, and they get Jesus and they're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to get Jesus like this time. This is going to be good. And so like Jesus, this woman right here, we've, we've caught her in adultery. She is with a man who is not her husband. The law says that we should put her to death. What do you say? I love what Jesus does, Right. You probably know this story. Jesus looks at them and says, well, then i tell you what. How about any of you that don't have any sin in your life? Why don't you throw the first rock? And it says that they all dropped their stones and they walked away. But see, so there's the grace, right? Jesus just pours out this grace and this mercy upon this woman. And then I love what he does next because what he does next, it comes to the truth part. So he gathers her together and he says, he says, woman, Where are your accusers now? It's kind of like, hey, just I want you to look around here for a second. I want you to breathe this in for just a second. I want you to feel the grace that you just received here just now. And she looks around, and she sees no one. And then he looks at her again, and he goes, now, here comes the truth. Now, go and sin no more. Now, what if Jesus just would have went and walked up to this whole situation and been like, well, the law says put her to death. And so, woman, you're a sinner. Put her to death. Right? Right? Truth has to be saturated in grace. so important for us. Um, I think if we will just wade deep into a person's story and with love and grace, there will be a place and a time to share truth. There will be a place and a time to share truth. So number two, we have to ask ourselves the question, are, are we loving others with grace and truth, or is it just one or the other? It's got to be both. It's got to be both. And then number, number three, the last one, is this. Has our knowledge exceeded our obedience? Has our knowledge exceeded our obedience? You see, when, we, when our knowledge exceeds our obedience to following it, we miss out on the joy of what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus. It's like if you just sit and soak up information and knowledge like a sponge, but you never do anything with it, that's, you know what we call that? Useless information. And it, uh, listen, you may not like this, it, it doesn't even matter that it's information from the Bible. If you're not doing anything with it, then what do you, what, what's the point? If our, if our knowledge exceeds our obedience, we're going to be missing out. If what happens in here doesn't affect how we live out there, then we're, we're missing it. You see, Jesus never spent more time talking about how compassionate he was than actually being compassionate to others. You never heard Jesus sitting around at the table going, Man, today was good. I was so compassionate today. Like, I really thought long and hard about people. It was awesome. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good at this, y'all. I'm a really big deal. Get on this bus, right? Like, you just, you would never heard Jesus do that. In fact, if anything else, what you you know about Jesus is what you actually saw Jesus do, right? It's what we actually saw him do. Heal people. Be with people that were nothing like him, that the rest of society wanted nothing or anything to do with. Enter into and wade into the, the, the messiness of people's lives on a regular basis what Jesus did. He didn't just talk about compassion. He was compassion. He is compassion. <laughs> so we have to ask ourselves that, that, same, that same question. Jesus said it this way, John 15, 13. He said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. There is no greater love than someone to lay down his life for for his friends. And the truth is is that you and I will probably never be called to that level of sacrifice. You and I will probably never be called to that level of sacrifice. But again, as I said before, if we want to love those around us, then we have to lay down our verbal lives and that means to sacrifice convenience. It means to sacrifice whatever it takes to love people around us, to show them not only who Jesus is, but that we are his followers and that we are doing as he has called us to do, and that is to love the people around us. There's this guy, uh, his name is, is Bob Goff, and I love this dude. Like, I should have put a picture up here. This guy, is, I, I just love him. He's just great. And uh, he wrote this book called Love Does. And if you've not read this book, I just encourage you to to like go today, get on Amazon, and buy this book. It's absolutely amazing. It'll change. It'll literally change your life. Like you'll just see the joy and enthusiasm, and and the way that this man has lived his life. It'll just it'll just rub off on you. It's, it's fantastic. Um, in his book, uh, I, I love this because. He, uh the whole point of the book is really just to show, he just kind of tells a little bit of his life story through several essays in the book. And, and what he does is he just talks about, he just basically says, hey, look, uh, God has called us to love people. And if we're going to love people, then we've got to do it. Like, you, you can't hold back, you just got to do it. And so he even goes to the level where he prints his phone number in this book. And not like like this is not his phone number like you call into a call center and they route your call around. Like this is like you and I, like your cell phone, my cell phone is printed. And this is a New York Times best-selling book. That means millions upon millions of people have this man's phone number. And you know what? You call it and he answers. It's not his assistant. It's not some call center. It's not a recorded message. It's Bob Goff. He wants to talk to you. He wants to answer the phone. You know why? Because love does. That's what love does. And so in the book, there's a couple of quotes, but I love what he says uh, in part of it. He says this. He says, knowing about love is one thing. We talked about that, right? It's what we've been talking about, that if our knowledge has exceeded our obedience. He says, he says this. He says, knowing about love is one thing, but love is really about just saying yes and doing more than anything else. Love is about saying yes and doing more than anything else. And then he kind of sums everything up in one of the most profound statements I think I've ever heard outside of anything that Jesus has said, but he says this. To sum, to sum up the whole thing, he says, simply put, love does. It does. It has action to it. We can say that we love people. We can talk about it. We can, we can do all that stuff, but if we don't actually do it, then we're not actually doing it, right? Because love does. So each week with, with each one of these messages, we're going to close here in just a second. We're going to sing, we're going to take communion together. But right before we get, get ready to do that, I want to I be super, super practical for, for us here. Uh, two things, just really quick. Two things that I think that we can take understanding this message and, and just taking it and putting it into into action. Two things that I think that every single one of us in this room, I don't care how young you are, how old you are, what stage of life you're in, doesn't matter. I think every single one of us in this room can do this. The first thing is this, just to make all of this very practical for us is this, is the first thing that we have to do is we have to be practical. I mean, not be practical, but we have to be present. We have to be present. You see, I... <laughs> We have to pay attention to those around us, and we have to listen to them. You see, because there are people around every single one of us that we have ignored, we've been too busy for, we've not cared to, uh, to enter into their stories of, Like, next week, we're going to talk about what it means to, like, who our neighbor is. And next week, we're going to kind of talk around that and what that looks like. But ask yourself this question. Maybe if you're doing this, man, that's awesome. But if you're not, like, this is kind of, this is, we need to get this, right? Like, do you know who your neighbors are? Like, do you know them? Like, do you know their names? Like, do you know what they do? Do you know, like, do you know what they're they're dealing with? I mean, do you know those things? Sitting with a friend of mine this past week, and we were sitting at his house, and he was actually telling me like who every one of his neighbors was. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, "I hate you, right?" Like, <laughs> it's like I, I, you know, like I look at my neighborhood, and I go, "Well, I, I know who that person is, and I know who that person is, and I know who that person is," but I don't really know that much. Like, but so listen, practically, we just got to be present. We got to be present. We gotta, we gotta listen to people's stories. We gotta ask them, like, really, truly, be like, because you know we all do this sometimes, right? Hey, man, how you doing? Right, and then we just like we just keep walking, right? We're not, we we're, let's be honest, we don't really want to know how they're doing. That's just the greeting, right? Hey, man, what's up? You know, well, I got this. Uh, well, you know, I really don't have time. For that. I gotta go. All right? I wasn't really asking, like. So, but we gotta be present. So that's that's number one. Practically, we need to be present. And then number two is this, is that we have, we have to say yes. We have to say yes. Resolve right now to say yes and to sacrifice for the sake of reflecting Jesus to someone this week. And you do that, I do that, by simply saying yes. And look, here's the deal. By saying yes, let me just, let me just tell you what you're saying yes to, possibly. You're saying yes to inconvenience. You're saying yes to a little bit less in your bank account. You're saying yes to a little bit less time to do blank. But you know what you're also saying yes to? You're saying yes to loving people, which is what Jesus has called us to. Be present and say yes. Let's pray. Father, we, we just, first of all, just confess our sin of, God, just me personally, God, of not loving people around me the way that you have called me to love others, the way that you have loved me. Father, forgive me for for not being present, for, for saying no more often than I say yes. God, forgive me for just not being a, a good picture of who you are. God, forgive us for that. Father, we just pray that as we, as we just sing, as we worship God, as we uh, come and take communion, God, that we, um, that we lay these things at your feet, God, that we stop here and, and repent and, and resolve to, to say yes, God, to your leading, to your calling. God, we resolve to be, to be present among the people that we're with, wherever we're at, at, at whatever point in the day that, that you awaken our hearts to, God. God, give us the courage to step into that. Give us the courage to, to wade into the, the deep vastness of, of other people's lives, to be in community with them, God, to be, uh, to be with them, to be present with them, to say yes showing them love, even when it's inconvenient, even when it cost us. God, let us be reminded of what it cost you to love us more than anything else. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing together, as we come and take communion? We have communion communion available here at the tables, the the broken body of Christ, the bread, the the poured out blood of Christ, the juice. As you come and take communion, let let that be just a reminder to us of the sacrifice that Jesus made to us to love us, to not only show it to us, but actually put into action what it means to sacrifice the way that Christ has called us to sacrifice. Prayer partners available. Mike is over here and Becky is right over there. They'd love to pray with you if you want to pray with someone. We just invite you to come and to sing and to pray.